What's going on, sweet people? We just wanted to take a quick moment and thank you guys. This podcast has been a passion project for me and Michael, and it has been taking off. We've been loving the feedback. We've been loving hearing from you guys. It's just an amazing thing that we get to do, and we just want to send all the gratitude towards you guys. Yeah, and this particular episode you're about to listen to is a new one for us because this is our first official drop-in podcast where we're going to record our show at a CrossFit affiliate. Thanks to the support of CrossFit Fury, we were able to get some new equipment that allows us to be mobile, and we really want to use that mobility to tell even more inspiring stories like the one you're about to hear. Yeah, we're even trying to be even more mobile, so maybe one day we end up at the CrossFit Games or the Granite Games yeah, or somewhere crazy. So that'd be, that'd be awesome. Yes. So in our goal to grow and you know reach more gyms and more stories, things like this are only possible because of outside support. And if you enjoy these shows, we would like to ask you to consider supporting the Forging Fury podcast. If you want to support us through your business and get some sponsor ads in return, you can get details about corporate sponsors sponsorships by uh, contacting Nicole Matera at Nicole at CrossFitFury.com. Or if you don't have a business to promote and you just want to support us directly, you can also visit our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash Forging Fury and support us through there. Yeah. Without you guys, this would just be me and Michael talking to each other. So which would still be fun. But I mean, just no one would hear it. That's true. We're super grateful for any help that we get. And we really love you guys. And thank you again. If you want to grow and you want to change, then that means you want to live. And as long as we're living, we're going to be growing and changing. And in order to grow and change, change is super scary. And so I think you have to, it can be so relative to your life, but you have to look at something every day and be like, okay, that scares me. I'm going to do that today. And I think every time we do something scary, we earn a new layer of confidence we never knew we have. And when we're confident and courageous and brave, you live up to a potential you never even knew existed. You're listening to the Forging Fury Podcast, a show dedicated to bettering lives through fitness, nutrition, and inspiring stories from athletes of every stripe. This episode is brought to you by Modern Day Midwife, encouraging active pregnancies, supporting empowered birth, and growing strong, healthy families. For more information or to set up an appointment, contact Tracy Burns by visiting moderndaymidwife.com. What's going on, sweet people? This is Coach Riley along with my friend Michael Gray. We have our close friend Andrea Robinson on the Forging Fury podcast. What's going on, Andrea? Hey, guys. Yes. So nice to be here with you. The reason she's a close friend is because this is our second interview <laughs> with her. And, yes. Uh, this is part two. She came all the way down to CrossFit Fury a few weeks ago and gave some of her time and... I screwed up the recording no. so bad that not a single second of it was usable. <laughs> so we're calling her our close friend because this is our second podcast. She's given us a, a second try at yeah, this, she, which we appreciate. She is definitely the best. This um, is going to be better than ever because it's the second time around. Exactly. But uh, you get all the grace because I've been there and done that back in those TV days. I remember when stuff didn't quite go your way. Yeah. And it always helped when somebody was at least uh, grace giving for those yes. times. Well, it helps me not kick myself so hard with, okay. that, that you agreed to do this again. <laughs> so we get another shot and I see and it as a sign that. from the universe that we needed to come together for one more conversation. <laughs> That's why this uh, yeah. conversation is going to be better it's than the last. That's be right. Okay. Awesome. So originally Michael was imperative on having you on the show. She, he was like this, this girl, I used to have coffee with her every morning. Well, via the TV screen, but yes, Michael, tell us a little bit why you wanted to have Andrea. So on. for those of you who don't know, and I don't think there's very many who won't know, but, uh, Andrea Robinson used to be with a local news channel. She did a morning show. And when I first met her, quote unquote, quote she was the traffic reporter yeah i had to get up in the morning and see what traffic was like so i could drive into work and i always saw her every single morning along with the rest <laughs> of her crew and uh the more i watched the more i kind of felt like i got to know them pretty well and in recent months i noticed that she's showing up on like crossfit instagram pages and stuff and i was like oh man this this girl did crossfit no wonder her arms were always so jacked when i saw her on tv the so world's fittest news i was anchor. like riley let's reach out because she seems like one of the nicest people and i'd like to interview her and just get some of her story just her personal story and, and get some crossfit story in there too so she so nicely agreed to come on and uh we appreciate you doing that so. well i am so delighted that you 
thought that I was interesting enough to be on your podcast. So yeah, um, I'm so happy to be here and happy to share whatever it is that you <laughs> that you have uh, in your minds and questions. Well, to first, answer. let's just start. Let's talk about being a news anchor. Like, yeah. how was that that experience? What do you think? Um, how, how did it go? Well, just like Michael said, for many years, I was the face of your TV, whom you had coffee with in your own uh, home. And I really n- never took that lightly because when you think about it, like a morning routine with your family and getting your day started is, is quite intimate, especially um, what you allow in your home, especially on TV. So all of our viewers that chose us day in and day out, year after year, like that meant something. And that was a huge responsibility that I never took lightly. Um, it was a career that I really never knew it would get to the point in which it did. Um, I started in such a non-traditional way in television news. I was born and raised here, went to um, grade school, high school, college here, and I got an internship at the station. And from the internship, I got a job, a very, very part-time job reporting traffic. And when I say part-time, it was three hours a day in the morning, $10 an hour. Mm. So I had a job on top of that um, in order to supplement my income that, you know, three hours a day wouldn't do. Now, when you say reporting traffic, you were on camera reporting the traffic. This wasn't like a behind the scenes No, thing. so I was, yeah. I would um, have various hits throughout the hour and they were anywhere from, you know, 30 seconds to two minute long hits talking about um, traffic holdups, delays, accidents, and so forth, and helping the viewers arm themselves with knowledge and as to where, you know, they don't want to go that morning. <laughs> right. And let me tell you the funny part about that was I was so directionally challenged. And I remember when I got that job, my sweet mom, bless her, she's up in heaven now, but she said, oh, honey, you don't even know north, south, east, and west. <laughs> I'm How very are you possibly challenged. going to tell other people where to go? Yeah. You don't even know where to go. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, but something tells me I'm going to do this. And I'm going to say yes to this. And I'm g- going to do this extremely scared. And I'm going to figure it out along the way, which really has become the motto in which I live my life every single day. Because oftentimes I say yes to things, not fully knowing how to do them. And I kind of like say yes. And then I do that reverse engineering thing and figure it out and then meet myself at where I have to be. I feel like that's the only way to go. That's a bold move. Like to put yourself out there to say, Hey, I think I can do this, but then have to like, Oh snap. Now I have to do this. Like, I think that's a, that's a bold, that's a bold way to live, I think. Well, and I mean, oh, I'm sure there's tapes of it somewhere, but like I can recall exactly what I was wearing the very first day I started. I had a trash can next to me because I was so sick, like just why am I doing this? Like sweating. I was hives. I mean, I think I I know I wore a turtleneck because the hives crept so far (laughs) up my neck and up like into my face that it was apparent that I was green and scared and really had no business being in that job. Especially because it was summertime, right? I mean, yeah. turtleneck, no. Yeah, it was. I think I really did. Because I graduated in May, and I oh. believe I started, like, in July. So wow. it really was Bold summertime. Yeah, Andrea. you know. Wow. I was, trying to, I was trying to fake like I had this confidence, but I didn't. But I earned that confidence every uh, little step of the way as I continued to, you know, work my way through that career. So uh, you don't have the first report you did you got you have that on video i'm sure it's somewhere now you know these were the days of like everything was literally on a tape Mm. you know and so i'm sure they're in the archive somewhere at the tv station oh they're gonna find it i'm sure (laughs) and it was it was probably bad but i think it's so great to at least even in my head have that picture of that day um because so often i think we get lost in the shuffle of like we just want to be better we want to get to that end goal and we forget where we came and so when you can really look back and see like the progress you made it's really nice to finally get to a point where you're like okay I'm proud of myself for that like it doesn't stop you keep wanting to move forward Um, but sometimes you forget like how far you you have come and what you've cultivated Mm. from then to now yeah and talk talk a little bit more about starting out as an intern like that was a rare opportunity and and when when we interviewed you before you were talking about starting in a phoenix market a market this size is rare in itself Talk about where you went from when you started to where you where you ended. 
So it is very rare. This is a very large market. I mean, Phoenix is the fifth largest city in the entire country. Um, So normally in TV, you don't start at a market like this. You could have an internship say here, and then you would hop around to various markets, small, um, increasingly bigger every couple of years to get to a place at least where you could be for a few years. Um, And it just depends on really the person and their end goal. Do they want network? Do they want just big top 10 market, top five market? So when I was presented with the opportunity to audition, which again, that doesn't happen either. Normally it's like back in the day, it was a reel, like on a tape. Now it's all internet based and you have a website and all of this. Um, but I didn't even have a reel. I didn't have work. I, I didn't even know. I didn't even know what the job really entailed. I do recall, like when I look back when I was younger, I mean, I had this like sort of, um, enthusiasm for, people and for storytelling. I loved reading the newspaper. One of my fondest memories is spending the night often with my grandmother and we would sit on the patio and I would drink milk with a splash of coffee and have a newspaper in front of me. I probably didn't even know what I was reading. I probably couldn't read, but I would do the morning announcements um, in high school. And so that love for storytelling and being with people, I think started further earlier on than I even realized. So when the job presented itself, I was asked to audition for this by the main anchors that were currently holding those positions at, at the station um, and, and doing the morning show. And part of it was just like, okay, I'm going to say yes to them because it was really nice of them to see something in me, but I just don't know if this is for sure what I wanted to do. And maybe it was, I was scared to have to move to see if it would pan out. I didn't know if I loved it enough to want to sacrifice that and to leave my family because everybody was here. So so, I, so you, you said the anchors are the ones that suggested that per- it. It wasn't like producers or Mm-mm. behind the scenes. Nope, people. The it was people the doing the job three said, morning hey, dude, anchors do wow. who really, especially one of them, um, my dear friend, Rick D'Amico, who was a longtime news anchor here in the Valley and retired several years ago. He's my friend ago. too. He, yeah, just like he's you Michael are. Knows he's everybody's Michael friend. Knows him too. He really became a mentor for me um, along the years that we worked alongside. And he taught me, um, he taught me how to be with people. And that served me best in that job. And ver- versus telling me how to do something, he showed me how to do it. Mm. And really, he showed me how the job is about listening. It's about hearing people out and letting them have the chance to use your platform to share their story. And you have that responsibility. But it, it really is just serving people in a different way by listening to them and sharing them and bringing love and enthusiasm and kindness to their TV screens in the middle of a very chaotic world that's messy and torn apart. And perhaps their own world at home is messy and torn apart. But if we can be the light, at least for you know an hour out of their morning, however long they choose to watch us, and we start their day at least with some sort of happiness, then maybe, just maybe... They walk a little differently that day. And he taught me that because he, he did that. Like, he did that every day. Yeah, my mother is a huge, uh, she was a good, like, Good Morning America. Matt Lauer, is that the, the, the Today Show? He yeah. was Today Matt Show Lauer. back today in the show, day, okay. yeah. Matt Lauer, my mom, if you're listening to this, I'm going to tell everyone your crush on Matt Lauer. She loved him for years. Like, don't talk to mom before she's had her cup with Matt. Like, don't don't ask her anything. Don't don't try to make plans before she has a cup of coffee. Like, cause that time to her was like so intimate. So like, yeah. the the fact that you were be able to provide that to people, like that's a big deal for people. That is whole like sacred time to folks is their their morning kind of routine and like especially with the news. Like that's how they stay. That's sacred time. Well, and I never knew. Um, really, I guess I never knew the impact that we provided for people. Um, And it really didn't become apparent until social media started to play into how we did our day and interacted with viewers. I mean, early on when I first started there, it was phone calls and maybe emails. And that was really the extent of it. Letters here and there. But that's how we communicated with viewers. What's a letter? I know, right? (laughs) What's a card? What's a letter? Um, And then obviously that evolved. But just like being, you know, I was a, a... reporter, a traffic reporter in the very beginning, that evolved. And again, I started in a very non-traditional way. And that lasted a couple of years of working on the show in that capacity. And then they evolved my role into a full-time position. And the full-time position 
was a feature reporter, still mornings, but I would do traffic. And then the rest of the show was um, me out in the community, doing something fun, sharing a cool story, whatever it might be. Um, and then we, that evolved in 2010. I went on maternity leave with my uh, first baby. And when I came back, I came back as the role of co-host from seven to 10, still doing traffic in the early part of the show from 4.30 to seven. So my progression in the job was very much as if it would have been had I skipped around to different markets because each market, usually when you move to a new market, a a bigger market, you step up in the ranks of positions. And so I just did that here in this market. And to be honest, I don't know how it happened. I just always said yes to many of the opportunities that were presented. I never said no. I approached it scared, but with enthusiasm I always thought if they asked me to do this, then they see something in me that I don't see in myself yet, but I'm going to try to meet them at that. And hopefully I will learn something about myself along the way. And every time I did something scared and I was worried about it, or how am I going to pull this off? And then I did it, I earned and like received this layer of confidence I didn't know I have. And I just kept like my husband always says, rinse and repeat when things are good uh, and you find a process that works. I just rinsed and repeated that and I just started doing all the positions. And part of that, I'll tell you, I said yes to a lot of things because I'm like, you know what? This, you know, I mean, TV news, people come and go. It changes all the time. And I was like, they're less likely to get rid of me if I can do all the things True. and I can do all the jobs because then they don't have to fill those jobs with other people wearing those hats because they have me and they can just slide me in. So part of the whole idea behind that was like, okay, well then they're less likely to fire me. Well, make yourself irreplaceable. Yes. If you know how to do everything, it's hard to get rid of you. Yes. Um, So I tried. So when you were talking earlier, you talked about the importance of having a mentor. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a really big thing. There's, there's a lot you can learn for a mentor and kind of go into that a little bit more. And, and what was his, what was his name? That was Rick. Rick. Okay. Rick was your mentor. Like what kind of things did you take away from Rick and like, what makes a good TV anchor is like, so, you know, and I think it's so uh, relative to everybody within the space that they work, you know, as to um, what they hold on to as most important. But I looked at Rick because he was clearly doing better than me, right? He's been in the business longer than me. He held a higher position than me and he's withstood of a lot of change. So something he's doing is right. And what I, I found out along the way as I got to know him. And when I say I got to know him, I mean, I worked next to him, like he and I seven to 10 for many years on a couch together. And yeah, we had fun and we were like just partners in crime there. But off camera, we shared so much about our families and about our own struggles. And so that connected us even more. Um, But the way he did things, like he never ever approached TV as I'm a TV person and I'm holier than thou and I'm better than them. Like he was like, this is a job. It's a job like you go to work. It's a job like you go to work. It just looks different because we're seen on TV, right? But it's a job like everybody else has. And he's always looked at it like that. He carried the responsibility well and always felt that it was a great responsibility. But he's like, you know, in the end, we're just people being good people to other people. And our job is to, you know, be fair with people and to see the good in people and at least try to share um, some sort of commonality or bridge people together or soften some of the hardships that people see in the world by bridging it with a little bit of excitement and a little bit of enthusiasm and happiness. Um, Because when you turn on the TV these days, it's a lot of junk. It's crappy. There's a lot of crappy stuff happening. And so I always like, I think that's why I fit the morning show so well. And even my friends that are still there at the morning, I mean, they do such a beautiful job Mm -hmm. of bringing in sunshine and happiness. And I know I'm probably painting it like this world's roses and butterflies. And I know it's not. (laughs) But if you sit in negativity all day long Mm -hmm. from what you turn on in the morning to what you turn on when you go to bed at night, like just know that's planting the seeds of negativity the rest of your life, the rest of your day, really. I mean, your mindset. And so he just was like, Like, we're not better than anyone else. Like, when people come in, we treat them like we would anyone else. And 
when we interview them. He, that was the one thing he, he taught me how to interview somebody. He's like, don't go in with a list of questions. Because if you're truly listening to somebody, those questions are probably not going to fit into the conversation. Like right. you may have it planned out in your head. And he's like, do your research, of course. Like arm yourself with the knowledge that you need to approach whatever topic you're going to talk about. If they're you know, sharing, um, you know, a company that they're working for, or maybe it's politics or whatever it might be. Know what you're talking about. Yes. But know that it's not going to be cultivated perfectly like it is on your piece of paper. And the only way that you can really craft a great interview is to listen to them and really listen to them, not keep thinking ahead of like the words I have to get out or any of that. And he's like, and your questions should simply be, tell me more about that. How'd you feel? And let the person you're interviewing, the interviewee, share. Like, it's, it's more about them and it's less about you. And when I learned to make it more about the viewers and more about the people that were on the show, I realized that TV really is way less about me. I'm just the bridge between the viewer at home and the people that are on the set. Definitely. Well, I think that came through really well because one of the things I've always said is I thought that that morning crew just seemed genuine. And what you told us last time was the people you saw were the people who you would see if you were at their house on a weekend. They were just the same type of people. And I think that Rick giving you that sort of advice made you more genuine. Uh, You probably did it naturally too, but... I, I love that. I love that he's not focused on why being a TV celebrity is a good thing. It's just, it's about other people. And I think, mm-hmm. I think that's great. And I, I think, think we can learn from that too. Cause that's kind of what we're doing. We're totally. kind of <laughs> I think taking can, that role you ourselves. You can see through false enthusiasm too. If you bring real genuine enthusiasm to the table, people meet that with you and they bring it to the table. So when I coach, like literally that's my favorite thing to do. And I'm so excited to be there. And I think people feed off that energy. Like they, the energy you give out, even like, that enthusiasm is the, the energy you give back. If you act like you're, you know, mad at the world and negative Nancy, like that's only going to be the energy you reciprocated. And they're intimidated at times, right, by like somebody in a coach position or something like that. Sure. And so when you meet them at like, hey, I'm you too, right? Mm. I might just know how to do this and I'm going to teach you how to do this, but I'm not above you. Mm. And in order to impact you, I'm going to show you how we're going to do this together. I love that. So you spent how many years at the station? So it was almost 15. I left in September of 2018. I started in, you know, it was like May or June of um, 2001. Okay. So a long time. So you cultivated this reputation and you you had a job that would be a dream job for most people. Uh, Why why stop that? What, What made you stop pursuing that? So I think the the will to stop and the change of heart happened over the course of a couple of years. It wasn't just like one day I woke up and I was like, I'm tired of doing this. Um, tired being the key word. I was <laughs> tired, like exhausted. Um, we wake up at 2.30 in the morning in that job, sometimes earlier. And we would travel sometimes. And I remember in the beginning, you know, before I had kids, it was fine. Like I'd come home and I could nap. And I mean, I was the keeper of my schedule. I didn't have to really um, help anybody else or be responsible for anybody else but myself. And so it was okay. And just like any routine and any schedule, you get used to it. Like I always think I could never work the night shift, but if I had to do it, you would get used to it. So I was just used to that early morning schedule. And then we, my husband and I, you know, got married and had kids. And I kept thinking, Ooh, okay, this is getting a little bit harder. And when I had our son, it was not so bad with one, especially when he was a baby because he didn't go anywhere. He didn't have a schedule. He just slept. So I would either have, you know, my lovely in-laws and my family and we had a wonderful nanny that would help and so it didn't feel hard as he got older and got into school and then we added a second baby and then when the kids started to grow up now they're you know almost nine and almost seven and they have things that they want to do they have lives that are starting and activities and I found that I felt in my heart I was missing out on a lot I was tired, so a lot of the evening things I just chose not to go to because I was just like an exhausted shell of a person. What time did you have to go to bed to get up at 2.30? So 4 p.m.? Yeah, <laughs> yes. And uh, I kid you not, back in the day before I had kids, there were plenty of nights I would go to bed at 4. Wow. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. impressive. Because my husband would be working. I'm like, I'm going to bed. Me and the dog, <laughs> we're out. And there's a lot to miss out on if you've got kids there at is. 4 in the evening. Yes. So ideally, I mean, 
I would love to go to bed at 7 or 7.30, but it always ended up more like 8.30 or 9. And again, talk about rinse and repeat. You do that over and over Monday through Friday, and you never really catch up on rest on the weekend. And then it was just hard. Like there were days I just wanted to be more available to them. I wanted to be able to say, yes, I can come to lunch with you at school. Or sure, I don't love field trips, but I want to be there for you and I'll come with you. And I just the flexibility wasn't there. So again, this was probably a good two years um, of my mind sort of starting to shift. And I knew like that schedule cannot be kept forever. It just can't. Like physically, you can't not keep that up forever. And I could feel it wearing not only on my body, but more on my like just emotional well-being. And I just, I just wasn't excited about a lot of things anymore. And I'm like, I know there's more to life than this. There's more than just routine, routine, up at the same time, into bed at the same time, never sway from the schedule or the routine, get a little bit of fun in on a Friday or Saturday night and start it all over again on Monday. And so my contract was up in September. So I had to make the decision. So the choice was presented, like I had to decide, am I going to stay or go? And truly, I have to tell you, it was, it was a solid year of pros and cons, Mm. praying, thinking, looking for affirmation and confirmation. Is this the right decision for us? Is it because I knew leaving TV, when you leave, you don't get back into TV. Most often you don't. So the decision had to be, yep, this is it. And this is, we're going to keep walking forward. And truly, I had a really dear friend and we had a lot of conversations with him. He said this to my husband and I one night, him and uh, his wife and, and Chris, my husband and I were together and he's like, you know, Andrea, he's like, I think that you're missing the idea behind this. He's like, you're struggling with this decision. I think I know how you, what you want to do, but instead you're looking at like, you just want an open door to walk through because that just makes it easy, right? That's solid confirmation. He's like, what if you start looking? He's like, I had a friend tell me this, that instead of looking for the open doors, I'm going to start looking for the closed doors. And usually closed doors mean there's nothing left for me here anymore. Mm. And I just kept feeling like the, the feelings I had that were placed in my heart, my mind, and all of those things were just God closing doors. Mm. And not because he didn't, not because there was anything big bad that happened. It was just my heart changed. And what I've learned the most is like, it's okay. Your heart is allowed to change and you're allowed to. What once lo- you loved and were so excited about I didn't foresee having kids and wanting more flexibility or time. I didn't foresee that changing my heart so drastically, but it did. And so I leaned into it. And a lot of it was scary. Again, here we go doing scary things. And I don't know how it's going to work out. Um, But if anything, it tossed me a deeper trust and a lot deeper faith than I ever, ever had like ever before. And so I made the decision um, in May is when I told my uh, bosses last year that, you know, this will be my last contract. I'm not going to resign. This is the reasons why. And I presented it like that. And I am, I left that with just so much gratitude because the last 14 years, they gave me so many opportunities and they were beautiful opportunities. And I would be remiss if I never gave all the gratitude to them for that. But I also would be remiss if I kept doing something that wasn't lighting me up anymore. And to be fair to everybody, the coworkers I worked with, my bosses, and to our viewers, I had to do something that was right for my family and for us. And the next step was to leave. A lot of people kind of find themselves on that journey. Like they're stuck doing something that they're not in love with anymore. And they want to go to a new, a new area or a new kind of like rhythm of life, or they want to change direction. Like speak a little bit more on that. And like, how, how would you, what advice would you give someone that is going through that kind of transition? So I'm going to give you the Cliff's Notes version because I look back now, perspective I think is always gained pretty far away from like when you're actually walking through it. But back in 2011, my husband and I realized um, we were really bad with money, like bad. Not a dollar to show for anything we'd done. We both had dual incomes. We didn't have, we had just had our first baby. So he was only like seven months old. But up until that point, we never really knew how to manage money. We just spent what came in and then we spent more. So if we, 
we, if something was a dollar, like we spent over that. And so we didn't know what living within our means meant. We didn't know what savings meant. We were young and we're like, oh, we have plenty of time to save and like credit cards. That's the way of life and a car payment and a house payment. That's the American dream. <laughs> and we lived that because we didn't know any different. Well, come 2011, we, we just had a moment and it was crazy and it was awful and we had no money like literally went to the grocery store and no credit cards work and I had a baby and it was embarrassing because at that time now people knew who I was because I was on tv and that's embarrassing and so it was that moment that pain point painful experience that started to shift and we were like we can't we can't do this anymore and I, I, I can't make it sound like it was just like light bulb that day we were on board together it took some time to cultivate us coming together on a plan of having to work through that and get out of debt but we did it and so I look back then and I look back at this last year leading up to the decision to leave a job and had we never had the moment of $52,000 in debt, you know, up to our necks, ridden with all of that stress and that overwhelm of how we're going to get by. If we never had that, and then we never did the work to get out of that, and we never changed our habits in dealing with money, and never made the commitment to never live like that again, we would never have been presented with an easier decision-making ability of leaving an income had we kept living above our means, because that wouldn't have been the case. Like, I could never leave a job if we were throwing out debt payments mm. left and right every month. How would we ever, we couldn't do that. But because we made a decision back then, we went through something painful, made the decision to leave that life and never go back. Then the last eight years, we've lived so far below our means that at least when we got to the point of like, my heart changed. This isn't for me anymore. It was way easier when you weren't working for something just to pay for all of the debt. Yeah. I like how you were talking about um, seeing how doors open and close and how life connects. I had a, a kind of a mentor of mine. His name is Roderick Logan. Uh, he was talking to me about how, how, how do I deal with looking into the future with life? Because it's, it's always hard to know, how do I plan my next 10 steps out? And he said, look at life more like you're rowing backwards through life. And you come across something and you see that and then you connect all the things that have happened before so that you can now deal with what's right in front of you. And I, you, you can see you doing that, right? You had that moment at the grocery store where you, uh, you had that pain that wanted you to cause change and you could see that entire line up to where you're saying, I could leave my job now and spend more time with my family. You can't see what's in front of you. You can only see what's behind you and you just take it one step at a time. And I, I love that analogy. I, I love that. It gave me goosebumps because yeah. that is so good and it's so true. Because that sort of perspective we gain from all those years of, of working through that helps us to, I think, plan the future. Right. Or at least plan the next step even. Sure. And having too many expectations about what it's going to be like down the road, that's just going to cause you to have heartache because yeah. you're not going to meet those expectations. No. You're so right. As we're sitting here talking, yep. uh, memories are flooding from our first interview. And I remember this this term or this saying that we were kind of really went deep on. It's like living for people in the in the cheap seats. It's like living for people upstairs on the top and living 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 your life for other people, not really living the people in the front row. Mm -hmm. Like, let's get back into that because yeah, I really gonna, love she's that. She's going to blow my good analogy out of the water with this one. I, no. love, yes, this. Yes. I, I love this one. This no. one's really good. I really think that this is something that people can hear, like really take home. Well, when I talked about the last like two years of work on myself to get to the point of, of leaving and having the confidence and courage to leave my comfortable space, the job that I was good at and the job that I earned and worked my way towards, um, I dealt with a lot of like sort of messy stuff in my head. And I think in the last interview we talked about, like I am so open to therapy and what I didn't realize is how desperately I needed somebody outside of my husband to really um, be a third party to breathe a little bit of life and some tools, <laughs> give me some tools to sort of work through that. And what I, you know, I think part of the struggle of leaving that was also the expectation, like you're going to leave that. I mean, who does that? Nobody does that. Mm. But again, nobody knows your own heart and your own, what, no one's going to care about your life more than you. And so when I started working with her, um, she gave me 
this wonderful analogy and she wrote it on a piece of paper and she basically mapped out what a like movie theater or a theater would look like. And she's like, and here you are, you're the stage, you're on the stage, right? And she's like, and you for so many years, so much of the worry that you've carried is because you are living to please all of these people in this arena and in this theater. And she's like, and these people way up at the top, they just get, I mean, they can sneak in. They don't Mm -hmm. even pay to get in half the time, right? But yet you're hearing from them the loudest. Because oftentimes, like, you know, that big, big arena, it echoes and those little chirpers up there, they, they really are loud. But the people up front that care about you the most, they have earned the right to be there. They have done the work to instill your trust and your loyalty and given you honesty. And she's like, and those are the only people that should matter. And it was really a light bulb moment because I did for so long. I lived to please people. And I, I probably did say, I, you know, I say yes, say yes to the opportunities, but sometimes I would just say yes to all the things for the fear of not being liked and not being the one that they expected me to be when I kind of lost a little bit of myself along the way. And I, I really valued her speaking that to me because it really opened my eyes to the realization that I will never, ever win those people. And I just used that analogy today. I was sharing something just this week. We had uh, Forbes picked up a story about our debt-free journey. And of course, again, every time you put yourself out there, you are opening yourself up to oh, yeah. the opinions Internet trolls, of everybody, like <laughs> right? And I still, I would be, again, lying to you if I said that sometimes those naysayers don't still hold weight in my brain. So sometimes I have to say it out loud and like preach it to like mm. believe it again. Manifesting. And exactly. <laughs> and I thought, Man, how much does this hinder people? The worry of the naysayers. When you start to change the level of your life and you move towards something different and it's different than other people or it strikes a pain point in their own life, right? Like you're doing something that they really want to do, but they're afraid to do it. So it's just easier to nitpick you about what you did or say your story doesn't matter. I had to remind myself today, it doesn't matter because there are Fewer naysayers, I think, out there than there are supporters, but there's a lot of encouragers that we have to listen to more, and those are the people, again, that are in that front row, and the minute you start talking out loud, the minute you start sharing something that you're passionate about, or you start living your life differently than other people that were perhaps once in your your circle or your family or whatever it might be, you're going to get the resistance from them. It's just mm-hmm. a given. And so if it aligns with what's in your heart, along with your moral compass and ethic compass and all of your values and what it's what you are living for, then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But it's believing that. And for me to believe it, I have to say it over and over and over. Sometimes I find myself and maybe people can relate to this is like, I give a lot of energy to the people in the cheap seats instead of like being grateful and, and showing the people that are in the front seat of my, like in the front row, like showing those people love and like catering to them and like nurturing those relationships. But like, I give the energy to the guy that is giving, like, I don't even know that has an opinion about something that doesn't even bother him. The amount of energy that we give the people that in the Mm -hmm. cheap seats compared to the energy we could give to the front row is is mind-blowing. And you probably are trying to win them over. And the the real truth is you're not going to win them over. Mm. The way you're going to win them, if you ever are to, is to just keep being you and treat those people that come and show up to your life so beautifully, value them, show them the gratitude. You know, I don't think we have to be horrible or hateful to people up there, but we don't have to acknowledge it. Mm. You know, we can choose where we expend our energy. And I think that you're not alone in that. I think we all have walked that where we (laughs) think if I just, if I, if I show them, I can see them and I hear them, then maybe they're going to change their thoughts. Maybe they will, but most likely you just modeling the action of love and gratitude Mm. and kindness and you doing you, they might see that Mm. and more is caught than taught in so many regards. Definitely, More is caught than taught. I like that. That's one of your phrases, don't you No, say that? that's a new one. I think I'm going to steal it. Yeah, you should. Like leading by example is always the best way. And I don't think you can, you're never going to be able to get all the haters on your side no. or any people that are against you, your opposition. You're never going to be able to win them all. You can't. I told like, it, 
I'm never going to love a brownie with nuts. Okay. You can try all day long. I'm not going to like it. Right. Just like there's people up there that may never love CrossFit. Okay. Mm, totally. And that's okay too. Maybe they'll come around and they'll find a version of that, or maybe you'll inspire them to just move their body. Mm. And eventually they may come there, but if not, it's okay. There's seven and a half billion people in the world. I've seen We're not mo- for everyone. I've seen more success personally in just embodying this lifestyle of being fit and open-minded and, you know, being a good friend and a good, you know, family member just living that life has brought more people like to wonder how I'm doing this. So like, Oh, what are you eating? Like, what are you reading? Like people want to know that when you, cause you're modeling. Yeah. When you give that vibe off the people, they'll eventually, when they're ready, when they're ready, they'll come and ask you, which is, which is really cool. When I first started doing CrossFit, I would do like, dude, you got to try this. You got to try it. It's awesome. I love it. I do it every day with my friends, my mom. <laughs> like you want to try to shake these people and say, you're one of those cult leaders. Oh, types, def- right? <laughs> definitely. But, and then I, that wore off and I just started just, just going forward and like being who I want, like being who I wanted to be. And that attracted way more folks than ever, like shoving it, like shoving it at them. They didn't really like that. I'm real attracted to you. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> no, I, I do love you as a coach because I, I do feel that. I feel yeah. that, uh, you know, that sort of genuineness and that kind of thing from you. So I love having you as a coach. Well, people like to follow like a, like a leader that like is that is what they want. Like is they, they kind of lead by example. It's just, I think it's the best leader instead of telling people do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. Cause I'm in a higher level of leadership. Then the best leaders are the ones that can guide people. Mm. And the way you guide people is to show them. And when they're ready, they will come. Yes. So you're increasing your leadership now since you've left TV and you've spent more time with family. You've started something new for yourself that you're becoming a mentor yourself and a leader to, Come to people. Come full circle. Why don't, why don't you talk a little bit about the new venture you have and um, wh- how that got started and where you see it going? So I um, left, you know, in September and... I am not one to sit still, even though I had told myself, I'm going to take a little bit of a break, but my husband knows me best. And he was like, I knew I couldn't let you sit still too long because you creep back into a space that just isn't good for you. So he's always lovingly trying to pull passions out of me. And about a, you know, two years ago when I really, I keep using that two year mark, but it was really the start of this like personal growth journey. I think that we all have like ebbs and flows of life where we have this great stretch of growth and then we just stay okay for a while. And then we're like, it's on our heart to grow more and to reach for more and try new things and open our mind in a different way. And I think that's really where all the decision-making came to of, of changing my life and, and going down a different path. But part of that happened as I started journaling and I was not into journaling at all. In fact, um, my dear friend, Amanda, Amanda Walker, who you guys are all going to know and love very soon, too. (laughs) um, She is just an incredibly dear friend, Um, like the friend that I never knew I needed but never want to know life without. And she had gifted me a journal. And I was just like, sis. I don't have time to journal. Do you know what time I wake up? 2.30. Like, I don't got time for that. And it sat on my bedside, and I didn't do anything with it. And fast forward a little bit, my husband, who likes to soak in all things good, and he always is, like, reading and trying and, like, adding things to his routine, and he is very much, like, the he's the personal growth, like, guy in my house, like, our house, and he started his journey before me. And, of course, me, I don't want him to outgrow me, so I continued to follow him. (laughs) And so we were having this conversation and I was just really in a messy headspace. It's when I started seeing the therapist and um, I was home from work one day and I walked down the stairs one morning because I never saw him in the morning. I was gone, right? I just hoped that the kids got to school and were alive and I picked him up the next later that day and that was good. So he's up before me and I'd come downstairs and he's like on the couch with like a bathrobe on and he's like meditating and he's got this book out. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm, I'm doing my morning routine. I'm, I'm journaling. And I was like, oh. And I, he's always a, been a better person than me. And he's just <laughs> been more driven and kinder and more humble and like all those things. But he had, now like looking back, he had really like even softened more. He had just even been better. And I now look back and I equate a lot of that to what he had been doing on his own time and cultivating that mindset. And so when we were talking about journaling, he's like, I've been doing it, you know, most consistently every day, every other day or something. And I was like, well, I don't have time for that. He's like, well, you have a journal. Amanda gifted it to you. Mm. And I said, no, he goes, you don't have time. He's like, well, Oprah Winfrey has the same amount of hours in a day and week that you do. (laughs) 
And I was like, oh, you got to throw her at me? <laughs> the queen? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So basically, because I didn't want to get left behind, I started doing it. And the next day I was like, oh, I'll show you. It started really as like a competition. Like he thinks I can't do this. And what happened. That's called CrossFitter syndrome, yes, by the way. Yes, it is. You're right. It is. I started very loosely doing some sort of morning routine. And, and mine looked very small and different than most people's. I would just not get on my phone in the morning. I would not look at social media like I normally would. Instead, that five minutes, I would scroll real quick while I was drinking a couple of gulps of coffee before I hit the road. I sat and wrote in my journal. And it literally was like, some days three minutes, some days 10 minutes. And what it started doing was switching the way my mind was that first thing in the morning. And I forced myself to see the good. I forced myself to write something that I liked about myself. And at the time, I didn't love a lot of stuff about myself. So I, I lied to myself. I wrote what I thought I wanted to love about myself, mm. hoping that if I affirmed it and wrote it and put it on paper and I read it over and over again, just like, you know, when you instill in a child, like, you're smart, you're capable, you're so great, they would believe that. And I thought, well, my brain's a little bit more, had a little more life to it. So it's going to take me a little longer, but I think that might work for me too. And so I just kept doing that. And consistently it was very sporadic in the beginning, but I just kept with it and that evolved. So that really was such a, a big thrust into my like personal growth journey. And so when I left the, the station and I left that career, Chris and I one night were talking and, and thinking about like, what is it that I love? And we, we started talking about journaling and I, the journal I was using still wasn't like perfect for me. Mm. There was parts of it I just didn't use or, or whatnot. He's like, you know the value of it. Like it's brought so much peace to you and so much guidance and, and helped you really set your day with intention. Like why not make your own? Why not make my own? Okay, how do you do that? Google. Mm. Like, Google's how, <laughs> how to do you make, make a journal. journal? Yeah. And so that really was, long story short, the start of it. And so I figured it out. I found a great designer. Again, it's all about how you, you know, people you know and connections you made. I reached out to, again, another friend I met in CrossFit. Mm. Half of my life is CrossFit and the people in it are because of CrossFit. And she guided me to a person that could design it. I reached out to some friends of my husband's in the online entrepreneur space um, because he, you know, runs an online business and, and they, it's amazing like how helpful people are. Like when you ask for help, I think people just assume, oh, they're not going to help me. But when you ask, like people really do want to help you. There's like a lot more, there are a lot more good humans out there than not. It's just, you have to like open yourself up to them. And so long story short, we made a journal and like I do everything, I did it really scared and I put it out there and I was like, well, maybe, maybe some people will buy it. I had ordered some copies, had them printed, gave them to close friends and got honest feedback and most of them all love them. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to do it because what's the worst that can happen? No one buys it. Uh, that then would be embarrassing. you just have a bunch of journals yeah, for you. Yeah, it's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> Lifetime's flat but journals. But the embarrassing will wear off. The mm. embarrassment will wear off eventually, you know, and people will forget, like they forget everything. They'll forget that I launched a journal and nobody liked it and nobody bought it, right? And it will be just my own insecurity that I'll have to get past. And so we launched it in January. And since then, it's exceeded the <laughs> non-expectation I had. Mm. Uh, we have a beautiful community of women um, behind the journal. So every time you buy the journal, you are opted into a private community, a Facebook community. And there's like, I don't know, 800 women in there right now. We have monthly meetups. That's really badass. That you can have a journal or not. You can bring a friend. You come together. But really what it is, is it's like the, the online community of women. What I'm seeing is, one, these women have never taken a moment for themselves. They've never set the day with intention. They don't love themselves, but they want to love themselves. They want to figure out a better way to like walk in life. And they need encouragement and support more than they need anything. Like, I think that if we're all encouraged and supported, I think a lot of those big crazy dreams and those big ideas we have in our head, they might be a little easier to work towards if you don't feel like the world's against you. If you don't feel like the naysayers are going to scream at you, you suck, you're awful, terrible idea, go back home, stay in the hole and never come out again. Mm. When you have people that are like, go sis, go, mm. keep doing it it feels good. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm seeing. And I think just the, you know, it's lovely to get the validation from these women that the journal is helping, but more than ever, I think it's amazing to see 
their own connections they're, they're making. Some of these women have never had friends, adult friends. And so a bigger group is bringing women together and those women together are making their own friendships that they needed and they didn't know they needed. Well, I can see such a high value for that kind of thing, especially in the CrossFit community, because people come in a lot of times to CrossFit to get themselves physically fit, right? And a lot of times that happens and they can, you know, they start dialing in their diet, they, they exercise and stuff. But the, the mental side that and the spiritual, emotional side that comes with journaling is kind of missing. So I could see a lot of, a lot of the ladies in our gym and our listeners really jump onto this kind of thing because they're always, we're, we're getting better, but we're not always getting better emotionally, yeah. uh, you know, spiritually, that kind of thing. And this is a great thing for that. And that's like a, what does, you just said. Does that have a really sweet name? What's your, the, the journal? You do you yeah, journal. I love that. You do you. That's so awesome. I think we're so afraid to do what really sets our hearts on fire or really do what feels the best for us because we're so afraid of the naysayers. We're afraid of the opinions of others. We have expectations that were placed on us from who knows when, maybe from family, maybe mm. from friends. And when we break the expectation or we break the mold or we're doing something different, we're afraid of truly being us. And I don't think that like you can ever reach your true potential, like the path that really God has for you because he has this bigger, bigger, grander vision of you than you even know. Um, but you're so afraid to do it and you're afraid to do you. You're afraid to rock whatever outfit you want. You're afraid to start the business that you think will no one will like because somebody, one person told you they didn't like it. You know, you're afraid to do these things. You're afraid to just be you. And so the journal's great. It's the community though, that rallies behind you to encourage and support you to, to really work on yourself and the women that these people meet, you know, the various connections that they get from this common, from this tool alone, just, it makes me happy. Well, since the last interview we had, you've inspired me. Even though I'm not one of the gals or anything, I did go out and get a Moleskine. Moleskine, is that how you call it? Mol- the mol- the mol- journal. Yes, yes, one yes. One of those yes. journals, and I started journaling myself. How's Actually, that what I started with first was not looking at my phone in the morning. Yeah. I t- yep, I said that last thing. time. No phone in the morning. Mm. And that's kind of, that's hard. Yeah. But on day one, I was like, well, what do I do <laughs> if I don't look at my phone? Mm. Get up and get dressed and get to the gym a little early. That's all you got to do. Mm. So I, you've inspired me to do that. I'm still working on it. I... And it's, it's not a, supposed to be perfect, though. Mm, like, it's right. just consistent. You bought the journal. You do it here. You do it there. Yeah. Eventually, you're going to, out the days of doing it, feel better than the days you don't do it. Right. And so it's going to make you want to do it more. Yeah, and it's more of a hobby than a habit for me right now. And i got to find the right time because morning won't work for me. I just know that that's not for me. So I've just got to make sure I set time aside mm-hmm. and figure out how I, how I go about it. Like, I just kind of sit there as a blank piece of paper. I'm like... Um, Okay, I'll write down what I did today and things I'm grateful for. So. I can't tell you the uh, like the, the the amount of freedom I've been able to give myself by having a really good morning routine. Like giving myself 10, 15 minutes with just me, my thoughts, my journal, writing the things down that I'm super grateful for, something that I'm looking forward to today. Like it just zeroes in and I have tunnel vision of only the good things. And you do it in the morning, right? Oh, in the morning, yeah. I okay. get my cup of coffee and I'm sipping. I'm just, you know. But just so you know, I, I tell this to the ladies all the time because there's some that they're just like, I'm not a morning person. Like I can, I, I have it set to where I get out of bed, I get in the car, I take the kids to school and I get to the gym. Okay, so that's not your time. But maybe the gym starts the like thrust of your day. So after that, then shower before you get going for work or whatever, then you sit for five minutes yeah. or maybe it's lunchtime or maybe it's nighttime. Some people love laying in bed and doing that. The last thing they do before they go to bed, they do that. Cool. But again, it's supposed to work for you or it will never work. It can't be what everybody else is doing. And I think the prompts of what I would write about would be helpful. So what I'm going to do is probably get a You Do You journal for my wife and kind of look and and pick some (laughs) things from there. I'm like, oh, I'll I'll use that as long. Absolutely. There's no harm in that. Well, we are actually recording this podcast in CrossFit Incendia, and we want to give these guys a huge shout out. We are in, uh, we're not in the daycare at CrossFit Fury anymore. (laughs) We're not. And what's great is uh, our last interview with Andrea is what made us, decide we have to get the equipment to be able to go mobile and it also gives us a chance to record multiple recordings so if one screws up the other doesn't so yes. we are up in incendia and we love being up here it's our first uh 
Yeah, big location. shout out. Tell us a little bit about this gym because, I mean, oh, from the looks gym, of it, it looks like a great place. It really is. Like, mm. this gym is, like, my fun place, my therapy, my friend place. And I look back, again, there we go with perspective, right? Rowing your boat mm. back, the analogy you gave me. And I think of, like, all the things that came my way because of this place. And I'm so, so grateful. And I was never an athlete growing up. Nope. Hated to sweat, hated to run, hated all of that. But I had my second baby in November of 2012 and Incendia, Brian and Lisa Veda had opened up Incendia um, back right before that in uh, November of that year. And so once I was cleared to come work out, I started my husband and Brian actually um, are firefighters together. They had come on the job together and they were doing CrossFit like in the back of the station before CrossFit was like a thing. You had to look up on the internet, like a workout. They were making rings, hanging them from trees. You, and you got to listen to the episode we just did with Peter, the owner of our yes, gym. Yes. Okay. I will. I just saw it came out. I, it's um, on my, it's in my queue. Yeah. He's got a lot of stories, stories about like what that. they did before CrossFit. Before yes. this. Yes. Pretty interesting. And so, you know, they had, they had opened up the, the space and I am eternally grateful because one, it gave me um, a love for fitness that I became consistent with. And now I can't, like when I miss too many days here or we're on vacation and, you know, it, it's been a week since we've been, I crave it. My body craves it. Um, but the people that I have met, I mean, like my very best friends came from this place. So my gratitude always goes back to them. The gym just is full of fire and excitement and enthusiasm, and it just leaves you better. And what, what a business to run that is in the business of making people better mm. and happier and better moms and better spouses and just better humans in general. Yeah. It's, it's a great responsibility. I definitely to have. leave work every night with like my cup overflowing. I feel like that's such mm -hmm. a cliche saying, but like, I feel that way. I feel like I've helped someone take the step they needed to, or like yep. gave them that extra smile or that laugh or just, just the attention that they needed to kind of change direction. Like yeah. I'm, I like to help people in any way, shape or form. So like if it's just like giving, Hey, how are you? Like meet them in their eyes and like say, Hey, how are you? And maybe they, that's what they needed today. And just like helping people and like being that for someone is, is, is so huge for me. Well, and I think that's just, I think that's the beauty of this business. And, you know, with CrossFit Fury, they have hired on people like you that are good people mm -hmm. that are called to coach and lead people in great directions. And, you know, when Brian and Lisa stepped down back in September, uh, the Bettises rose to the occasion and they were members too. So it's like, it's just like, it didn't, everything just kept, going and they have the same love for people that they did and so the excitement of incendia continues on and they are continuing to allow us to have a place to come and and, and get better and mm. be better yeah so if you're listening and you're up in the northern peoria area incendia is up here at 75th avenue and deer valley road the yeah. major cross streets check them out sometime i'm it's sure a, they'd love to have you it's actually really beautiful it's a sweet gem i've seen quite a few in my day and this is i like the everything's nice and i like and, the gray and yeah. orange. i know isn't it pretty yeah, and tell them tell them crossfit fury sent you that's weird right yeah, yeah. <laughs> no so, but like no but and if, if you i'm gonna ruin peter's episode for you but he talks a lot about like eliminating all the like the beef or like confrontation within CrossFit gyms and the CrossFit community like we're on the, we're all on the same page we can we can do more together well and the thing is is CrossFit in general is the one I mean CrossFit Maine right mm. created the idea of community through fitness and so here's the big CrossFit and then we have these small we have these gyms all across the the world right that have created communities in their own neighborhood and so you Every CrossFit gym is after the same thing, mm -hmm. creating a community where somebody feels welcome, they feel safe, they feel accepted. And I think that as a human, like that's what we all want, right? We mm -hmm. want to be a part of something. And so CrossFit Fury, CrossFit Incendia, CrossFit whatever, mm -hmm. everyone's out for the same thing. The common denominator is the community and, and bringing people to it. Yeah, and I want to kind of throw a line out there for anyone's listening to this. Be the person that you want to like to have at your gym like if you see someone new reach out to them be that be that kind of olive branch to welcome them in like if you can tell something's weighing on someone grab them give them a hug like spend that extra second with that person just to just to really connect with people because this is this is what this is what fills people's cups the most mm -hmm. i think sure i will say that this is i've never been in like a drop-in in a crossfit gym that i didn't feel welcomed mm -hmm. at so i love that 
I hope that's preached in every community within CrossFit because every place I've ever been, I felt totally welcomed and just like that, mm-hmm. like open arms, come on in. You know, you already always feel like a fish out of the water when you're not in your own space. Sure, yeah. But it, I, I feel like it's, it's a great thing that um, CrossFit has really nailed down as far as that goes. Well, Andrea, we thank you for coming on again with us. Yeah. And I had more fun this time than I did the first it time. It was better so. the second go around. I think around. it was too. Yeah, so it was, it was good that we got a second chance. Now, with your journal, uh, you are you have an offer for listeners if they want to jump in and, and be part of that. Yes. If you go to my website and you decide you want to check out what the journal is all about. First of all, there's always seven days for free online. I'll just send it to you via email if you're like, eh, I don't know about this journal thing. It's kind of weird. And I'm always like, test the water before I buy anything, right? But if you're like, I've been looking for a journal and maybe this might be the one, you can go right to andrearobinsontv.com. And if you put in FURY15, just all caps, FURY15, 15% off of your order nice. and it's always free shipping so I'm gonna get one know for that my you mom. always get free shipping no I really matter think what. I'm going to get one for my mom she needs it the most I love it yeah, yeah. my yes. wife will You're get one yeah. too and I'm sure we'll have a lot of, lot of people in oh, our gym will sure. jump, jump to that well, too well it's there and um, and again the community I know CrossFit you have a strong community but um, as women I think that the deeper connections we can make within other communities it just makes us better overall women spouses mm. friends in, in general so we have a community waiting for you as well mm, totally we like to end these things with like parting words or like something you think the masses need to hear like it could be something simple it could be profound but like leave us with something that you know make people go oh i needed that well um i think <laughs> that the theme that we talked a lot about was doing things scared and mm. i remember way back when when i walked into my very first day of television news i had the eleanor roosevelt quote in my head do one thing every day that scares you and since then it truly has become my life motto i remember when i was on tv it was like a scary interview i had to do that i felt like i was gonna just fail miserably and it was like do one thing every day that scares you okay this scares me today i'm gonna do this uh a crossfit competition i remember my very first one why in the heck am i doing this i do not belong here do one thing every day that scares you okay this is what i'm doing so The thing is, if you want to grow and you want to change, then that means you want to live. And as long as we're living, we're going to be growing and changing. And in order to grow and change, change is super scary. And so I think you have to, it can be so relative to your life, but you have to look at something every day and be like, okay, that scares me. I'm going to do that today. And I think every time we do something scary, we earn a new layer of confidence we never knew we have. And when we're confident and courageous and brave, you live up to a potential you never even knew. Existed. That's what we like to call a home run. That uh, was yeah. just like pointed, like Did called you, her shot. And she was not reading from a script right yeah, there or anything. That was just that right was off perfect, the top man. of her head. Perfect. Really, we appreciate you, Andrea, and we we love we love having you on. Well, I love you guys. I love what you're doing. I love how you're bridging this uh, community closer and closer together. And yeah, keep making people better because you are when you do this. Yes, we what we want the listeners to do here is like show us your uh, your journal or like what are you doing to stay present? Or what kind of practice are you trying to put into your life? I think Michael's going to take a picture of his journal and kind of tag Forging Fury, tag uh, tag Andrea, and we'll we'll try to get this ball rolling and see how many people we can get to use a journal or even journal more. And and share this episode, share all your episodes because everything you guys have put out truly is is making people better and i think it'll resonate we appreciate all that. of your episodes resonate with somebody out there and so they need to hear it yeah definitely go on to andrew robinson tv.com fury 15 for your discount let's support what she's doing because i think it's a it's a great thing and i'm definitely getting one for heidi she'll like that yes definitely see you thanks guys <laughs>